Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we flash back to a game we'd all like to forget, yet also, I think, a valuable learning experience. That's right. We're talking about week one last year against the Lions, which just happens to be this week's opponent. Andy Isabella, very open and honest about his rookie season. It was good to hear. Also good to hear that there will be fans in the stands this Sunday. And when we say fans, we mean family and friends of players, coaches, and staff. It is a solid first step, perhaps getting more of the bird gang at State Farm Stadium. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 317, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So it appears, MJ, that we are all concerned, fans, media alike, about how this team is going to handle a 2-0 start, which has not happened since 2015. And I found it interesting when the question was asked to Kyler Murray earlier today about dealing with success and not getting a big head and reading the headlines. And his response was, quote, it's not my first time dealing with success, end quote. Yeah, I think we forget that this kid, and I can still call him a kid because I'm older than he is, undefeated in high school, Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, 2-0 start, this is nothing for him. Yeah, and listen, I, I understand the fan base because, you know, obviously the last couple of years haven't been uh, what the Cardinals were looking for. Now, you had to go through last year to be in the position to be a year two with the head coach and, and the quarterback, so... But from a player standpoint, they know that those other guys get paid. Um, if you don't show up and play your A game or A minus, this is the NFL. I mean, there's upsets every single weekend, whether it's home or away. And they got enough leaders in that locker room from Fitz, Patrick Peterson, Kyler, Corey Peters, Chandler Jones. I think, you know, Campbell, based on his production, could be a guy that you're going to listen to because. He's been there and done that. So, um, and and I get the fan base. You know, they're, they're going to be five and zero going to uh, play the uh, Cowboys on Monday night. Again, I I I really appreciate the passion, but players and the organization don't think that way because, as Bruce Arians pointed out, you can go to from the outhouse to the blank house in a heartbeat. We can discuss a five and zero start. Fans can discuss it. But I guarantee you that coaches and players in that locker room, it's 1-0 for 16 weeks, 17 if you want to count the bye week and look at an entire season. But players do not look ahead. As you hear Ron Wolfley say a lot on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, athletes don't, as he says, affront the athletic process by looking too far ahead. Because if you do, you will get burned no matter how bad you think your opponent on the other side is going to be. Yes, letdowns happen, but in the NFL, everyone is good to a certain extent, and it's cliche, but I think it's true. Any given Sunday, and we see it all the time. Well, I mean, let's be honest. 
they've only played two games. And they'll be the first to tell you they haven't played a you know complete four quarters, and, and that's sometimes hard to do. Um, but they want to clean a lot of things up, the penalties, um, some of the negative plays. And we're going to get into the Cardinals' rush defense and the Cardinals rushing the football because, you know, one may be misleading than the other, but, you know, they are putting up uh, yardage when it comes to the running game. But they only played two games, and you have to respect the process. And, you know, I don't know which week it is, but usually a team's have a dud where you think going in there and, you know, obviously uh, Vance Joseph was fighting for his job in Denver, and, you know, the Cardinals felt like, you know, uh, they were going to make a switch after that game uh, with Mike McCoy. But that that was embarrassing what happened at home. But you don't know when it's coming. And then the bye week last year, team looked like they weren't ready to come back and play football. So it's a long season, and staying healthy and being lucky is part of it, but you also have – to respect the process. You, you can't go from 2-0 and to 16-0, and and they're not going to go unbeaten. They're going to have some losses. It's the NFL. I mean, how many losses do they have in the NFC West? I think we're both signing up for a split. they got to beat the Rams at some point, and then we'll, we'll worry about week 16 and 17 where you get greedy. They go toe-to-toe with the Niners. They beat them this year, and then the Seahawks. So they're going to lose some games in the division. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I like what Corey Peters had to say about a 2-0 and start. Quote, we have big goals here, and 2-0 and <laughs> is not <laughs> one of them, end quote. Although he also elaborated on something that we all say on Mondays and Tuesdays, hey, it's easier to make corrections after a win. But I thought he went more in detail because on a Monday morning, you go back to the facility, or a Tuesday morning, depending on how head coaches work it. And I know this year most – Teams are going Monday day off. You're not allowed in the facility, so Monday is now a Tuesday, and a Tuesday is a Monday. Getting into the weeds here, Bird Gang, sorry. But when you win, you're excited, you're upbeat, you're happy, and you're attentive in those meeting rooms. When you lose heartbreaking loss or a blowout loss, you're down, you're upset, and you're just miserable. You don't want to sit. You don't want to hear someone pick you apart or say you should have done this, and maybe it goes in one ear out the other ear. So that kind of – it makes sense when we say, hey, after a win, it's always easier. And it's become this statement that everyone makes. But when you really dive into it, I mean, you know, us, after a good show or after a great day or you have a bad day, no one wants to be sitting there, you know, pointing the finger at you and say, this is what you did wrong. I know what I did wrong. You don't need to tell me. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a give and take there. Well, I also think when, you know – when guys like Corey Peters, when you when you lose and you're going in there and making corrections and mental errors, you, you know some guys will take it personal. Like, hey, I had eight tackles yesterday. I had two tackle for loss. Um, I played well, but somebody else didn't. And and it's, I think it's human nature to say I did my job, but we know usually it takes all eleven on each side of the ball. More on offense because if somebody screws up on offense, the play's probably not going to work. Defense, I think, can cover a little bit more. So I think guys say, "Well, I'm doing my job," you know, in their in their hearts, but they're also listening. And I think that's just human nature. But when you win, you feel good about yourself. Uh, you know that there's more to um, more to do down the road because the games are not going to get easier. Not that they are at the beginning. And so you, you go in there and you say, "Okay, we can work on this and work on this." You know what? We're going to be a better football team. Uh, the, the next week, and then we'll be much better in October. So, 
Yeah, I think there's something to that, but he definitely uh, peeled the curtains back a little bit more than we have. It is a Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we dive into Cardinals and Lions, and not so much as looking at this coming Sunday, we'll do that later on in the week, but how about we look at a year ago, but how about this? The Cardinals have made a roster move, a practice squad roster move, but I find this fascinating. They have signed wide receiver Jerron Brown. He's back, originally an undrafted free agent with the 2013 season, played very, very well. One of those undrafted success stories, most recently with the 49ers, got released. But good to see Mr. Brown back with the Arizona Cardinals, and we'll see what happens. You know, you need some depth, and here's a veteran who can certainly catch the ball and also play special teams. Yeah, great guy, great story. I mean, Arians had a connection to Clemson. They brought him in as an undrafted free agent. I think they also brought in uh, Catman that year, Chandler Catanzaro. They drafted Andre Ellington. So they, they had a nice pipeline um, at Clemson. And he earned the hard way, undrafted free agent. Um, you know, he's he, he got an opportunity to go to Seattle. Uh, they didn't have, you know, D.K. Metcalf at the time. Um, Doug Baldwin was kind of on his last leg, and they had Tyler Lockett, and uh, he was there for a little while, and then he was recently in San Francisco. Obviously, they didn't ever say was so was JJ Nelson up there, but you know, I guess we'll get into it a little bit later in the week because you know Keyshawn Johnson back. Are the Cardinals really going to trust six wide receivers? And they already have, I want to say, two or three practice squad which they like in Richardson, uh, JoJo Ward, but he has experience and. You know, but he's a great guy. I mean, he'll fit right in that locker room with just because Larry's been there and, you know, Trent Shurfield. So he's well-liked, and it's nice to see him catch on somewhere, and I'm glad it's the Cardinals. And you mentioned it, time with the Seahawks, time with the 49ers, so maybe he's got some intimate knowledge, if you will, within the division. I think we make more uh, a bigger deal of that than most. But, hey, you know, he at least has been inside, so, hey. Any information is helpful information. Well, unfortunately, he's not going to tell us how to stop Russell Wilson because <laughs> he probably didn't know when he was going to get the ball because that guy was Houdini and he was extending plays. Uh, he may be – I think the Cardinals have a good beat on uh, what the 49ers want to do defensively. But I know what you're saying. There's familiarity. And, you know, you start looking at this Cardinals wide receiver core, and you know, it's probably not fair to compare um, what the Niners are going through right now. Once they get Debo Samuel back, a healthy uh, Brandon Ayuk, um, and then we'll we'll see if George Kittle's healthy. But I really like the depth at the Cardinals' wide receiver position, and I'm including the practice squad guys. And we may not see those guys the entire season. Um, you know, clearly they moved on from McKean Butler. They still have high hopes for those two draft picks and Danny Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Week 1, 2019. It was a Sunday afternoon. The Cardinals hosting the Lions. Everyone's excited. The first game for head coach Cliff Kingsbury. The first game for the number one overall draft pick, Kyler Murray. You and I sitting in a press box, the stands at State Farm Stadium, filled with people. Hard to believe that was just one year ago. But what we saw transpire for the first three quarters of that football game, MJ, 
You've told the story several times here on Cardinals Cover 2. Tell it one more time at the end of the third quarter. All right, so the third quarter is going on, and, you know, the Cardinals obviously played not very good football. It, it, it was horrible at times for three quarters, and then they were down 24-9, so they're going to fourth quarter and they force overtime, so we'll give them credit for that. But I, I turned to you, which we sit together on game days, and I said, Craig, I don't know if this is going to work. And, and I was so excited because, you know, I, I figured they don't have a lot of film on Murray, but, you know, they went back with their former defensive coordinator, Paul Pascaloni, and looked up a lot of film, and I'm thinking they're going to put a spy on him. But I watched Murray in practice, and, you know, they still had fits, and they still had, you know, guys, Christian Kirk and Sherfield, and I thought, all right, maybe, maybe. But I looked at you, and I said, I don't know if this is going to work. And I wasn't the only one that was thinking that. No, and... You know, the benefit of hindsight as far as how things went or didn't go, with 14.47 left to go in the ball game, it was 24-6. to The Cardinals scored 18 straight points to force overtime. The game ends in a 27-27 tie, which is unfortunate, but as Kyler Murray reminisced earlier today, hey, at least it was better than a loss. But he called that day a tough day an ugly day that turned out to be a decent ending, better than losing, end quote. But it's what Kingsbury acknowledged earlier in the offseason to our colleague Kyle Odegaard of azcardinals.com that everyone on the sidelines thought maybe that this was not going to work because Kingsbury on the record saying that, you know what, I might get fired midway through this contest. I might not make it through the entire first game. I just bought a house. That's, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's neat. It's fun to look back. It was 18 games ago. Doesn't yeah. seem that long ago, but considering what we saw at the end of December a year ago and the first two games here in 2020, you talk about night and day or a 180. I don't know what you want to describe it, but that Cardinals team in the first three quarters against the Lions in 2019 is not the Cardinals team we are seeing here through two games in 2020. No, and the word they're using this week is day and night. It's day and night from year ago. Don't forget about Michael Bidwell's comments to Kyle Odegaard and Steve Kine. Um, you know, they got him at the, in the off season, uh, more of a, a relaxed setting. Um, but they they told you exactly. I mean, I don't I don't remember Kine's comments, but they were uh, they they weren't entertaining when he was leaving the facility or the stadium. And then Michael's like just looking around, going, "Really, this is and I'm paraphrasing, but." Yeah, they were thinking the same thing we were, Craig. First impressions mean a lot, and the first impression was awful, to say the least. After the third quarter, the Cardinals had five first downs and 100 total yards of offense. Kyler Murray was just 9 of 25 for 70 yards and an interception. Threw for over 300. At that point, there's no way anyone thought, not only would this not work, this team's going to get blown out week one, yet they stage a dramatic comeback in the fourth quarter alone. Kyler Murray goes 15 of 19 for 154 yards and two touchdowns, 12 first downs, 193 total yards of offense, and it was like the light switch went on 
and they started to finally figure things out. And it was a process during the entire season that now I think we're seeing the fruits of that labor and literally laborious first year for both Kingsbury and Murray. No doubt. And they were down 24-9 going into the fourth quarter. And and I think Murray was perplexed that, you know, they're, they're going to play to a tie. Uh, he, he was kind of like, really? Is this really happening? I, I, I believe they, they know the rules, but, you know, obviously you, you want to get one more crack at it. Yeah, it was – but like we said, and it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, obviously going to Baltimore, I think they kept that game closer than we initially thought, the way the Ravens – you know, Lamar Jackson kind of type of year he had. I mean, they were 14-2. and two. Um, And then, you know, the third game, we, the Kyle Allen game, we, we, we thought, man, this is an opportunity. And then, obviously, after Kirk went down and they got their first win in Cincinnati, that's when things changed. And it's been it's been the best for everyone involved. And, you know, I, to me, it's like you're, you're watching a movie and people tell you it's a great movie and, you're you know, you're halfway through it and you're like, Okay, is this this movie's really two and a half hours versus two fifteen or two oh five, and then you get to the end, and you're like, holy smokes, this is a great ending. Well, it's better than losing, I can tell you that. But I think they found something there. Again, it didn't carry over for the first three games, but they started using different personnel, and we know when Kirk went down, everything changed. Yeah, certainly a learning experience oh, yeah. for everyone involved. And I went back and looked, and I think we forget, the Cardinals started four rookies that game. So the 2019 draft class was on full display. Everyone knows about Kyler Murray, but Keyshawn Johnson started that ball game. He had Zach a good Allen, of September. Yeah, Zach Allen started that ball game, and Byron Murphy was thrown into the mix wow. just because you had no Patrick Peterson. So he got extra playing time, maybe ahead of what anyone anticipated. So, again, it's, it's fun to look back, yet it's not that long ago that this team was uh, on the other side, if you will, uh, of the bottom third of the NFL. Well, that's a good point, Craig, because uh, they're not starting a single rookie on offense this year. Well, yeah, those those players are now second-year players. Well, and, I mean, and just they're general, Josh Jones isn't playing. Beecham's a veteran guy. Uh, Gilliard's been in the system a year. Um, so that, that – I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't really think about that. And Byron Murphy's a much better player than he was a year ago at this time. Yeah. The other part of that contest that we now can look back and maybe a foreshadowing of things to come, and it's the issue defensively of covering the tight end. In that game, T.J. Hawkinson, a rookie, by the way, six catches for 131 yards and a touchdown. MJ, he only had one more touchdown the rest of the season. And that certainly spelled doom for the Cardinals defensively because every single week it seemed who was the opponent's tight end. They were going to go off, maybe not for 100 receiving yards, but they were going to make some big-time catches and score some touchdowns. Yeah, and unfortunately, he ended up getting hurt a little bit there. He, he was on um, you know, the injury list a lot. and he, you know, With a body like that, you know, people are going to try to chop him a little bit when, he's, when he catches the ball. Um, so, yeah, but that's where it all started. And, you know, some people will say, well, the Cardinals really haven't had to cover a tight end yet. Well, George Kittle, obviously, in the first half, they were able to contain him. And whether he was a decoy, he only missed one snap in that game. And then they're like, uh, Jordan Reed. Um, Jordan Reed's a good player when he doesn't have concussions. And the fact that, you know, he was their number two tight end, um, 
Yeah, and then it, and then you look at last week, um, just from a standpoint of you know trying to cover the tight ends. I mean, I, I think they've done everything they can. Um, you know, uh, you know, the other comment was Logan Thomas. Uh, you know, he caught a couple passes. I'm like, Logan Thomas really didn't do anything. He was targeted a ton, and Campbell had great coverage on him. So I think people are nitpicking about you know they haven't really met that tight end yet. I'm like. Again, George Kittle, nobody knew he was going to get hurt on the Buda Baker play. I mean, people were probably targeting him for eight catches, 140 yards, and one touchdown. So you only can go against the guys that they have on the field. Um, it's not their fault that Logan Thomas was their number one tight end. So um, this will be another good task. And, you know, if, if I'm the Cardinals, uh, the first guy I'm thinking about is Campbell. And then, you know, if, if you know, they can move guys around. Uh, Buddha Baker can do it. Byron Murphy, if they're if they're in their base defense, they only have two corners. So uh, they're in a much better spot. And I don't think it's going to be an eyesore like it was last year. Well, the other interesting part of that game a year ago, defensively for the Lions, Devon Kennard, three of the five sacks of Kyler Murray. His first game at State Farm Stadium, the hometown kid comes back and literally dominates and ruins what was supposed to be a perfect afternoon for the Arizona Cardinals fans. And now he's on our side, if you will. And that's become certainly a a nice headline-grabbing storyline for this week. And Murray was asked about that and didn't really want to get into it, but he did acknowledge that he would not be taking those kinds of sacks like he did a year ago, specifically when it was brought up that Kennard's three sacks all happened on second down. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know that in that game, he didn't take a big hit. Um, and then we know that he was able to wear down their defensive front, Snacks Harrison and everything else. Um, but I don't remember Kennard. I, no disrespect, sack's a sack, and you got to get there and put yourself in position. But I, I, he, he must have ran into a couple sacks. Well, yeah, or if you run out of bounds, who's yeah. the closest oh, that's right. defender? Yeah, that, that was happening. You're right. You're right. Closest guy to the sidelines, yeah. But I just don't remember. Like One thing I, I you notice is and because he's in the shotgun so much, you can see the entire field where you go underneath center and you kind of cut the field in half with your shoulders. Um, he has not been hit blindside like that. And he's gone against you know Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan and Nick Bosa. Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa. And that's to me is is when you're not going to see the hit, and that's where he can't brace himself. Well, we haven't seen that yet because I think his shoulders are squared to the field, and he loves being in the gun, and uh, I think he benefits from that. But I, I don't remember any. Uh, but I think you're right. One or two, of, or one of them hit could have came, and maybe the Cardinals use that film to go after him in free agency. Yeah, there we go. Or if 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 he's you know using film to when he gets released, and it's like, hey, don't forget about me. And he shows the tape of what he was yeah. able to accomplish. He, what does he average? Like seven and a half sacks for all three with the New York Giants in a couple of years with the with the Lions. Yeah. So, yep. and we we talked about this. Um, you know, can the Cardinals find another sack guy that can get double digits? And just based on playing time, you would think he'd be in there now. You know, and Jordan Phillips is a guy that can push the pocket. But uh, realistically, if if he's out there, we know Reddick's going to get some of those reps. Um, he could still be at eight nine. Um, you hope to get to 10. Um, but one thing I didn't know about Canard um, is how physical he is. I mean, he's got a good body. Uh, I like the way he practices. I mean, he's sweating during practice. Like, just it's not just going to work and put, going through the motions. But he's physical. He's got some grit. 
And I really like what he's doing there. And, you know, I know a lot of people thought, well, Detroit's given up on him. The Giants have given up on him. He was projected to make $5 million a year. he got to look six-something. Um, but I think he's been a really nice addition. Well, and even better for Kennard, did not have his family or friends in attendance in the home opener, but he will, nice. as will coaches and players, have some familiar faces at State Farm Stadium for this Sunday's game. It was announced officially on Tuesday that the Arizona Cardinals have received permission from the Arizona Department of Health Services and the Maricopa County Department of Public Health that there will be no more than 750, quote-unquote, fans in attendance. Now, I say, quote-unquote, because it's family, friends of coaches, players, and staff Coaches and players are getting four tickets. Staff, like you and I, MJ, full disclosure, getting two tickets for family and friends to use. And it's meant to serve as, if you will, a dress rehearsal, a test run, a dry run, if you will, to make sure that the health and safety protocols are up to speed for fans, perhaps, when the Cardinals come back to State Farm Stadium at the end of October for that contest against Seattle maybe there will be a small number of fans, season ticket holders, in attendance. But a good first step for the Arizona Cardinals to play in front of the Bird Gang, if you will. Yeah, and and they were were on top of it just based on the the reports they were getting that, you know, they they basically said no fans for the first two games. But I I think based on the results, and they have to get approved for this, and they obviously got approved, and there's criterias. You know, when you said less than 750 people. Um, but I do think, you know, I think if everything goes to plan and obviously we continue to flatten the curve and people are social distancing and wearing masks, I do think uh, um, it's a strong possibility when they come back home. Now, how many fans, there's got to be a certain percentage, um, you know, but I, I think that's really encouraging because initially we didn't even know if anybody was going to be there. So, this is a this is a dry run to where they they want to see if there's anything that they're missing on the protocols, the way people enter the stadium, uh, how do they get to their seats, um, you know, social distancing because maybe people aren't familiar, but uh, you got to watch the game recently uh, last week and they have uh, maybe the first six to eight rows they have um, sponsorship and Cardinals logos, but when we were there, they actually had zip ties on the seats. So you could not sit next to someone. So every two seats had a zip tie, and you can't even push it down. I mean, you'd have to have a knife, and obviously you're avoiding the rules. So I'm curious to see how the seat's set up. Now, for people that have quarantined together, families, I assume they'll sit together. And then they'll have some of their suites where, you know, um, obviously, you know, they got to find the protocols. But it's they, I think they want to see how it would work out just having people sitting by each other, but they're not going to be on top of each other. And if you are watching the game on television on Sunday, the fans will be on the west side of the stadium or on the Cardinals side of the field. There will be no fans opposite behind the Detroit Lions bench. And then, of course, seats will be assigned for small group and socially distanced manner. So you're not going to have a big clump of people together. So it's going to be interesting to uh, to see and, and maybe how that affects you know, is it any louder? Is there any way for the Cardinal players to get, I don't want to say more amped up, but at least there are eyeballs on them outside of just people watching on television. But, you know, 
husbands, I mean, wives, girlfriends, uh, children, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, actually in the stadium to be able to cheer on their husbands, uh, fathers, sons. Oh, it's a great gesture. And you know, I think the Broncos did, uh, maybe their, their cutoff was 500 people. Now, what we're really finding out, though, is, you know, we watched Cliff in training camp and we watch him in the open portion. Today he was fired up. He's like, it's a beautiful day. The sun's out. And he, he was kind of getting his guys fired up. So when when it comes to Cliff, um, um, what we're hearing, though, is Cliff from the sidelines can tell the receivers what routes to run. It's amazing. And, and Andy Isabella has told us that and other players. Kyler mentioned that, yeah, I mean, because coaches are on the sidelines, the crowd noise, you got to talk to the quarterback. But Cliff is literally telling receivers, because we know everything's predicated on the coverage, and that's probably why they had a miscommunication uh, when it came to the pick, which Hopkins took responsibility for. But to me, that's fascinating. And then Corey Peters said, you know, we can hear the the offensive uh, cadence or Sometimes, but you got to be careful there because they could be giving you a dummy call. And then you get to the line, they pat their hip, and they're changing uh, the direction of the plays going. But just to be down there and, like, be a fly on the wall, because, I mean, you're talking about a split-second decision where you got to tell the guy, and supposedly they can hear both teams. So hopefully those 750 people are making noise. Um, it would be nice for the Cardinals to play with a lead. Um, but, you know, I know the, the, the Chiefs had, what, 6,000 people maybe in a 71,000 stadium. And, and they were pretty loud. Now, that's 6,000, though. Um, and obviously it was ceremony night, you know, raising the banner. And, you know, obviously they were the better team that night. But I think it's fascinating that the – literally, because you would never do that in an NFL game. You would never be able to yell to a receiver and tell them, hey, this is the route, the coverage. But, hey, it's within the rules, and more power to them if they're able to pull it off. you got the offensive coordinator. In this case, it's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. speaking to Kyler Murray in the headset, Vance Joseph to Jordan Hicks defensively. But now you could have David Rye tell Larry Fitzgerald, no, move up a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, no, go to the other side. James Saxon, no, Chase Edmonds, you know, this is what you, this is what we need you to do. Yeah. And that, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, what was it, Corey Peters or one of them, what, I can't remember which player it was, called it a glorified scrimmage because you yeah. can hear the I conversation from the sidelines. Yeah, I think it was Kyler. Maybe just one more game of that, and then that will go away in the event that more fans come yeah. to State Farm Stadium. That's the that Seattle game, by the way, October 25th. So a month from now, we'll see where we are. But it's never going to be at full capacity. No, I, I, w- I would not think so. I mean, I, I, I don't, I've been told anything, but I think teams are trying to get 12.5% in there, 17.5, which is not even 25%, uh, but it's something. And, again, uh, mandatory to wear a mask. Nobody's And coaches obviously have to wear a mask on the sidelines. Some have been fined. So it's not like, you know, and obviously if you're eating and, and drinking, you have to take your mask off. But it's mandatory that even when we're there in the stadium, I'm wearing a mask the entire game. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 almost, it's now become a habit. And, Craig, I, I can tell you this. Last week I, I was in a different area, and I was able to get the uh, the truck feed um, so I can see stuff when they come back from commercials. And 
I was in there with a couple guys, and we all had our masks on, and we were all social distancing, and and, and there was only three people, and we're on this huge room. So now the only thing about the, the truck uh, copy is is usually get it eight seconds before everyone else, but there's no audio. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I I hear the guy on on the, uh, after the play on the the, uh, the PA, and you know there's a penalty or something you got to look for, but it's. I'm going back to the TV feed this week because it's nice to have that coach's film, the 22 all film. And they show you like they're rewinding the, the, the highlight they're going to show you coming back. So you kind of an idea what they're going to zero in on, but no audio. That was tough. Bird gang subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, Stitcher and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Now, we do know, as far as fans in the stands or family and friends, that Andy Isabella will have his brother and sister in attendance. They are currently staying with him at the moment. So he said that they were uh, very happy to hear the news that they'd be able to go and watch uh, their brother play. And right now, wasn't a factor in week one, but in week two, had two catches, his first two targets of the season. And it was interesting to hear him speak because everyone wanted to know he's the second round pick. Byron Murphy gets a lot of the attention, but everyone is looking at Andy Isabella to make that jump here in year two. And it was just two catches, the deep ball, but then that pass across the middle that he had to adjust to because it was thrown behind him. There's an expectation now that not that year one was a wash, but year two building now on what he did against Washington and see if he can't force the coach's hands to increase his role. Well, he was asked, you know, I think it was uh, yeah, Catherine Fitzgerald. Kyle asked him a couple questions, too. She she wonders because when you look at his yards per catch, it's it's like, holy smokes, why don't they throw the ball to him more? Um, but I think, as he said, as you know, the offense starts to flow and – they're, they're they're meshing guys in and out. He thinks he can be involved in the intermediate routes. Um, we know he's good on the jet sweep. We know he's good in the flat when you throw a quick pass to him, uh, which I consider extended run plays. We we mentioned it after week one. I mean, he's going to get more opportunities now. Does it go from 14 to 20? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the, the wide receivers because Keyshawn Johnson's healthy. They could dress six receivers this week because Sherfield's he plays on teams, so we know who the top three receivers are. So, um, But, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it was a wash because I think he learned something, but I know where you're going. Um, he, he's a different guy. Um, he's comfortable. He's confident. He, he, he knows he can play in this league. And that when he said that, I'm like, yeah, I think you can too. And, you know, you've got you to gotta crawl before you walk in this league. And uh, what he went through last year, just like Byron Murphy and, and Kyler Murray, they're gonna. That's gonna make those guys better players. Just you know, they they know that there was you know some bad film out there, and maybe we don't watch him in practice. But he's catching a ball so much different now. If he would have dropped that ball, that I would have been like, oh, that's disappointing. But he didn't. And like you said, he had a you know kind of uh, change his route a little bit on on the other one. So those are encouraging things, and we know that Kyler trusts him. And part of that draft class, those guys are attached for life, and they. And when we talked to that draft class over the last couple of weeks, they say they, they want to leave their legacy 
Now, when they when they got here, you know, obviously didn't win a ton of games prior to that. Um, but they want to be part of changing the, the legacy and the culture. And when we look back at this class, hopefully we're talking about guys that really made an, an impact, not only on the field, but also in the community. Isabella admitted that his rookie year was, quote, a wake-up call, and then he was asked how much different is he this year versus last year, and he said, quote, I've come a million miles from last season. And then the quote that I think Kyle Odegaard wrote on azcardinals.com, which says a lot about Isabella, quote, I can play in this league, end quote. The Cardinals know he can play in this league. They wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't think so. And maybe Isabella was a little bit leery at some point last season on whether he thought he could play in this league. But he certainly has put in the work. He's got the confidence. We heard wide receivers coach David Rye bring that up in the offseason and during training camp that Isabella, we'll use that phrase, night and day from where he was a year ago. Yeah, kudos to him because uh... – you know, the cameras are always around, and we know how much he was training last year with the jugs machine with his sister. Um, and, and and probably 99.9% of the guys were working out, but I'm sure it was a different offseason for him. It was more mental. But now he's comfortable. Like, he can just go out there and play football. When, anything in life, when you're thinking and you're not reacting and, and you're just – like something doesn't come natural to you. Sometimes, you know, words don't come to you and you, 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 oh man, you get frustrated. But for him, he's comfortable in his own skin and he knows he can play in this league and they know it. And like I said, the fact that number one uh, likes him and trusts him. Hey, listen, I, I'm sure Kyler feels pressure throwing to Hopkins and Fitz at times and Kirk, but if Andy's open, they're going to throw it to him. And it doesn't just have to be the deep ball. That's yes. something that he hopes. Intermediate. That He'd they be great on his role. I mean, I know they got a log jam at slot receiver. Probably a good dilemma to have because you got your X receiver in Hopkins, but he would be perfect on those slant passes. Because now all of a sudden, if, if the, you know a linebacker or a safety are not going to catch him, and it, it won't be for a touchdown, but it'll be like a a seven eight yard slant pass, and then like a thirty yard gain. You know, I think, and I'm not comparing them. Please, I mean, John Taylor and Jerry Rice, they they feasted off that from Joe Montana. Yes, they were throwing bombs down the field to Dwight Clark and obviously, you know, a safety net. But I, I think he's got the ability to take that slant pass. And... Nice sound effect, by the way. Thank you. Just two catches, but they were, I think, two important catches for Isabella here in 2020. And we'll just see where it goes. Well, the, the speed is real. I mean, we look at Kyler, how fast he is. Well, I don't know what a 40-yard dash does for, for a quarterback unless somebody's chasing, but for a 40-yard dash for a wide receiver, I could, somebody else is probably in there saying they're the fastest guy on the team, but I think it's clear Andy Isabel is the fastest guy on the team. Oh, Kyler Murray is saying he is the fastest player on the team. Well, Kenyon Drake saying that he's the fastest player on the team. I heard his interview with Rich Eisen after week one saying that, uh, yeah, he's he believes he's the fastest. Well, you know, the only good thing there is if they believe that, then show it. And a lot of it with Isabella's, it's the belief yep. in yourself. All right, MJ, X's and O's tomorrow. Well, we've, we've discussed last year's meeting. Now let's flash forward and look at this coming meeting on Sunday because now I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, what almost 365 days difference means. 
for the Arizona Cardinals here this year. And we forget, it's just been 18 games with Kingsbury and Murray. Sunday will be the 19th game in the National Football League. Well, and, and we'll get into some of the particulars, as you mentioned, but 11-game losing streak dating the back last year, four consecutive 10-point leads. In losing. Talking about the Lions. The Lions, yeah. Um, they still got Matthew Stafford. Kenny Galladay is going to be here. They, they're trying to run the ball more. We'll, we'll get into it, but again, I, I think a lead in this game would go a long way, and that would force them to throw the ball more than they probably want to. I, I think they want to keep this close to the vest, you know, go in there at the half and then make some plays in the second half. And I think the Cardinals feel like, you know, let, let's let's put the, the foot on the pedal uh, to start the game and not wait and don't have any lulls. No, no going through motions when you get a good lead. You still gotta, you still gotta play 16 minutes. And I know sometimes defenses are called you know, shell defense or prevent defense. You don't see prevent in the third quarter though. Um, but you still gotta line up and play because, you know, you're putting stuff on film and other teams look at that, how you played in the fourth quarter. They're gonna say, well, maybe we should do this in the first quarter. Can they react to it? On paper, the Cardinals are a better team, but we know the game is not played on paper. It's played on the grass so we will wait and see on sunday and on that note let's put a lid on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona Cardinals. special thanks as always to our executive producer jim Omohundro. for mike jarecki i'm craig riolu we'll talk to you next time here on cardinals cover two